Welcome to the Three Now Podcast. Welcome to the Three and Out Podcast. Today we're going to learn a little about the music world. Our guest has been a Connecticut staple in the music industry for the past decade and has traveled around the world and is going to give us a taste of what it's like to be a manager in the rap game. Please welcome Chris Fury. Hey, what's up, man? What up, what's up, man? What up? Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, thanks for yes, coming sir. on. Well, uh, let's get right into it. Um, your most famous artist, probably Chris Webby. Uh, who else have you worked with and who are you working with now? God, the scope of people I've worked with in different capacities is pretty incredible when I sit back and look at it. But I I, I started in 2000, so I've worked with like uh, Angie Martinez, Paul Wall, Ray J, like Jim Jones, Nicki Minaj, uh, Stack Bundles, Chinks Drugs, French Montana. Stack. Uh, you know, Iggy Azalea, <laughs> you know, a, a lot of artists and in, in also in different capacities, right? Like not all of them were like management, some were road management, some was like marketing, some was, you know, a booking agent. Um, some even early on, I was doing street team work, like for Mob Deep, you know? Oh, so, wow. and, and them dudes, they used to come out in the streets and promote with me and hand out posters with me. They were like the realest <laughs> of the realest. So um, you said, sorry, yeah. No, no. So, yeah, I mean, a ton of artists, like even too many to name, I'd forget off the top of my head. Yeah. So you say you started this doing this in 2000. How did you get into this? And what happened 20 years ago that, you know, led you down this path, becoming a manager, getting into the, the music industry? Is it always something that you wanted to do? No, no, not really. I it was sports for me, like in, in high school, I was playing to you know, go to college and play ball. And that was kind of like my dream. And I had some legal troubles and doing some knucklehead stuff as a kid. And, uh, I was going to college and I passed by this radio station that happened to be in, you know, the same town I'm from. And I applied for like an internship and they gave me a job, you know, the rest is kind of history, you know? So you mentioned how important do you think internships are in the music industry in terms of networking? They are right. They, they're, yeah, in, in industry, they're everything because it, the problem is with music is there's no there's no structure, right? There's no way to go to school for it. I mean, you can go to school for engineering or you can go to school for like business management or communications, but that's that has nothing to do with the actual business. It's the only, you know, multi-billion dollar industry that has no real way to get into it. Right. It, there's no path. It's, no, yeah. it's a homie. It's a homie of a homie of a homie. You know, like this artist gets hot. He gets signed. He brings his boy from around the way. Who's his manager. They blow up, they bring the homies. And then those homies have more homies, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's funny. It's a very uneducated uh, business in terms of it's a lot of people just winging it. And there's still people now there's managers now that have, an artist with a top 20 song in the country making millions and millions of dollars. And they still have no clue what they're doing because the the music business is that intricate. And there's a reason why, you know, the commercial success and major labels run it is because it's very difficult to understand. And it's also info that you just can't find, right? Like you can't, even when you search it, you really can't find it. So in other words, it's all about the networking, all about the connections. That's it's how every- and the internships will provide that. Yeah, they help a, a lot because what happens is you get in these buildings and everyone's in these buildings. So what happened with me was I, I got a job. I was working for Angie Martinez, right? Who at the time was, it still is like the top yeah. radio personality in the country. She ran hot 97. Um, and I used to just sit at the, I was like, I did marketing for her and I did tour management and I would just sit at hot 97 and every day there'd be people from Def Jam and Universal and Warner Brothers, you know, and Funk Flex is here and K Slay is here and DJ Clue is here and all the artists were popping up. I, that's how, for me, that's how it all started because I gained all of those contacts. And then, you know, when my thing with Angie was done, I just kept moving, you know? Right. So. Sure. I used to work over at uh, hot 937. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. Back in the, back in like 2013, Today. 2014 around then. Oh, nice. Today is actually 20 years for them, man. Yeah. yeah I saw that. I see that posted. Yeah. Everywhere. And it's, it's pretty crazy. I, again, too, they, we started around the same time. So I had a job at a, at an AM station called blaze 990. They were the, one of the only hip hop stations in Connecticut and they were an AM. There was no FM hip hop station at the time. Um, and the same people that worked at that station all pretty much went to hot 93. So 
I was one of the first people to go in that building. I was managing a DJ at the time. And he was like the third person hired. I, we literally went there and dropped off a box with a CD player and a mix CD in it with a pair of headphones. And we gave it to the program director <laughs> and on the box, it said, push play. And, <laughs> and the dude pressed play. And by, before we even got home, he called it was wow. like, hey, just got your demo. It's incredible. Like, I love to hear you spin. And him and the only other guy, the program at the time, and a couple of other guys that were hired at the station, uh, before they even started talking, they came to check us at a nightclub. And then they hired him like the following week. So oh, that, that station wow. has, has provided me like a ton of opportunities, you know, like a, over the years, just the artists they would bring through. And then I would link with those artists in Connecticut. And that's eventually, uh, as I moved forward from Angie, labels were hiring me to work for the artists while they came to Connecticut. So they'd come out here and do like a press run and they go to radio. They do like in-store autograph signings at the mom and pop stores. So like I would kind of move them around the market. What did cool. Ed, Ed, what did we used to have where we grew up? Di was it diamond records? Oh yeah. Hamden. Yeah. yeah Hamden. Hamden diamond records. Yeah. yeah. Um, that I used to live that, right off that street. Oh really? That yeah. was uh. so there was a rapper named wicked. He owned the store with Big Keith. Oh, nice. Yep. And I, dude, I, I used to go to Diamond and push mix CDs, man. I used to run mixtapes for Big Mike and Who Kid and Clue, you know, like all the big DJs. And I used yeah. to go there every week, man. Diamond was like a staple. I, I myself owned a music store. So we were a part of this thing called The Firm. It was the Federation of Independent Record Merchants. And all the big, you know, independent CD stores were like a big crew together. Oh, that's I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure you made a couple of stops at a powerhouse. So big, big Pat is yeah, like Pat. you know one of the homies of mine. You know, a powerhouse His, was amazing, and yeah. then even Kingsley had Catching Wreck, which was in the old arcade mall. Yeah. Um, Pat, Pat's, son, Pat's son went to high school. It was a real good friend. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Dude, me, yeah. me and Pat, me and Pat go back years. It's so funny. He's probably super mad at me. He's probably called <laughs> me a half a dozen times over the past six months, and I haven't. I haven't picked up. I just probably super mad at it. Take us through like what the day to day is managing some of these guys or consulting, um, whatever, whatever, anything. I think for some managers, it just I think the type of artist and the range of responsibility varies, right? So with Webb, Webb is kind of like his own manager in a sense. He's more like a partner then he is like a client. He handles the majority of his stuff. And I kind of just assist him where he needs me to. My, my daily for him is, is kind of just working towards the overall goal of getting him the biggest look as possible and getting him the best tour as possible and getting him, uh, you know, to try and continue to build his, his money streams. Right. Um, but it wasn't always that way early on in his career. It was waking him up getting him to the studio, yeah. finding him producers. It, it was, it was every, it was everything. It was booking his shows. It was doing his contracts. It was getting him a stylist. It was, you know, for certain artists, they do more or less, you know? So like for Ray J, it was like keeping him in track. It was keeping him on point because he's a Hollywood kid. So he's very, a lot of opportunities all over the place, you know? So you know, for him, it was like keeping him focused. Some artists need less and some artists need more. It also depends too. Like when you start, when you start from the ground up with somebody as a manager, you do everything. And as that artist gets bigger and bigger, your roles come smaller and smaller because then they have a business manager and then they have a booking agent and then they have a lawyer. And, and even too, as now I won't even manage an artist unless I'm partnered with someone because you, Back in the day, you used to be able to manage an artist by yourself and get everything done. The industry was so small. You know, it was 10,000 people, you know, two high schools full of people. So your connections and your Rolodex, you know, you were able to move accordingly by yourself. Now, with the space being so big and everybody all over the world, and then there's also a lot of moving parts, you know, like there's, there's jobs and lanes that were created because of the internet that didn't exist back then. So now you need like a multitude of people and like what web situation is probably the best situa situation I've been in. He, you know, he has hired guns, you know, so he has people doing what they're best at, which allows everybody to thrive in, in not be overworked and not fail at things because they're doing things that aren't their strong point. 
So you, you had mentioned, you know, getting, getting him ready for tours and et cetera, like that. How did the pandemic kind of shape that mindset? I mean, it was terrible. You know, I mean, for, for the guys that, that go on the road, right? Like web, web yeah. definitely took a hit money. I think all artists took a hit. Cause that's where all the money's really made nowadays. Right. I mean, yeah, for sure. Yes. And no, because web makes, I mean, a lot of these new artists make more money off streaming than they do off oh, tour, wow. Wow. you know, because in, in the independent sense, because as an independent, you're not getting mainstream money. Right. So the biggest independent artist in the country is, Tech Nine, right? So Tech Nine's yeah. biggest shows are doing thirty five hundred people max. Right, right. Small you venues. know, right? I mean, and, and don't get me wrong, that's incredible. But Toad, when you look at like, yeah. right? But when you look at like Logic, you know, like Logic's doing ten thousand people, right? So he's making a hundred k a show. So as an independent you may make only five or 10 grand a show a night, but your merch, your meet and greets, you know, all those things coming to take. But even if you end up, I mean, think about it. If, if an artist web tours more than most, right. Tech nine tours more than anybody. If tech nine makes just say 30 grand overall a show and does 50 dates a year, that's 1.5 million, you know, but, now with streaming, if you have good splits and you own the majority of your masters, dude, you can make a quarter million dollars a month. So is that how you is that how you negotiate your splits? Is if you own your masters? Um, how does that work? The streaming payouts. It, it all de- it all really depends. So there's four ways you make money. There's four things that define how you make money on streaming. So one is your distributors rate with the DSPs, the Spotify's, the Apple's, every label, every distribution label, major or not, has a different rate. Wow. Okay. Um, So that's one way. The second way is your distribution rate with your distributor. You know, so say you're with a, you know, a TuneCore who's a 95.5 or a 90.10 or even a DistroKid is 100% the artist and 0%. The, the distributor, they just make up, they charge a fee originally, and that's how they make their money. So two is the distributor rate that you have. Three is how much of the master you own. And then four is the type of person streaming because the, the, the person who streams for free, Spotify pays you one rate. If the person is a 9.99 tier person, Spotify you. pays you a higher rate. If okay. they're a, $14.99, they pay, they pay a high rate. That's why title, they pay, you hear about they pay the most. Right. And it's it's because they they have one tier. It's 1999. That's it. You know what I'm saying? So they're they can pay more money because they charge a premium. Spotify's got 400 million users and only less than a hundred million are paid. So that means they're paying for 300 million people to stream for free. Wow. That's why Spotify, you hear people say like Spotify don't pay enough money. That's correct. They don't. But they're also not making a shit ton of money because they're paying artists. Think about, think about Drake who does just say 10 billion streams a year. Yeah. Okay. Only a hundred million people are paying. So if 60% of his base is a free streamer, they're paying Drake out on all those streams from free users. Well, I want to, that's ask- why, that's why they lose money. Spotify loses two, three, $400 million a year. That's why. Crazy. That's, that's insane. I never, yeah, I, I never knew that that's how it worked. Yeah. It's, it's pretty crazy. So that's why you see, you know, you'll see some shit on the internet that says, Oh, this, I only make 3000, 4,000, 5,000 per 1 million streams. Right. And, and that's true in certain scenarios. Like you just take a major label artist, uh, like a, say a major artist, I'll just take, a, I don't know, like Bruno Mars, right? Yeah. Bruno Mars probably only owns, he's probably got some type of 50, when you're in a major label deal, you don't really ever have the splits in your favor, right? So just even say he has a 50-50 split. So 50% of that dollar off the bat is 50 cents. So, so per million streams, 
if one, if one guy who owns hundred percent of the master makes 10 grand, if you only own 50% of that master, you only make five. Right. Do you ever see it getting to a point where these, these major streaming platforms will, they won't offer free, a free version. Yeah. Eventually. Even if it's like three ninety nine or four ninety nine, something like that. Yeah. Just so that they can recoup some of their losses. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, the Spotify is really SoundCloud. You can stream for free. Uh, Spotify is you can stream for free. Apple, you have to pay. I think yeah. their lowest tier is nine ninety nine. Nine ninety nine. Yeah, that's the um, only one other than the family plan. Yeah. Yeah. So, but the problem is, is that Spotify holds such a big market share. I mean, yeah. so the, many company, the, the, the company out of uh, Japan or China, they have more. They have something like 700 million users. I forget the name of the company, but dude, no one's even close to Spotify in the US or like in like Europe. Like I think Apple's got now 75 or 80 million and they're the closest. And Spotify has how many total? 500 million? 400 million. You know, that's, it's, it's, it's a huge gap. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. um, and title, I mean, title's got 3 million users. <laughs> I guess I got to get Spotify. Um, I don't have Spotify. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, got it. I, I got it. I just don't really use it. I use Apple. Yeah. yeah I, I use mean, Apple you know, too. yeah. That, and that probably just comes from being an Apple guy. It, you know it, what I'm saying? Yeah, and that's really, yeah. and, and, but that's why even too, like you look at Apple and Apple, they really don't give a shit about streaming. Like they make their money in tech. Right. Yeah. So like they yeah. do it because they can, because they own the software and the platform, but they really don't care about it. But as things have started to move, as streaming has become such a big moneymaker. I mean, when you look at that, the labels did, three billion dollars in profits in streaming during the pandemic dude you know like there's Insane. money there now yeah yeah right people uh, are 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 consuming music so you know i think it's starting to shift now because people are starting to realize there's more money what's uh like a webby is big in other countries mm-hmm. um probably more bigger in other countries than here um do artists overlook the possibility and only want to be big here or is that something they looking for the broader view because they've seen other people do it now. Um, well, I mean, listen, web is web is much bigger in the U S than he is anywhere else. Right. Like it, in terms of like streams and, and money income and percentages on music. Right. But like you, <laughs> I think the goal is always to be as big as you could be. I don't think it's that a lot of artists overlook it. I think that it's, it's more not knowing how to do it. Like, right. how do you, how do you do it? Because it, how do you get big in Europe over getting big in America? Yeah, right. right. And, and there's, there's different tactics. They use different social media. They use different forms of paint. Like they move differently. And they're also very behind. Like the only country that is very current and mainstream is like, like, for, like London, Paris, Manchester, they're very New York city influenced, right? The Germany part and like the, the Nordic area and like the, the Switzerland's and the Norway's and Copenhagen's. And those are very, they're very behind. Like they're, they're years behind us in, in, in terms of music, which is why a lot of the old school guys do so well there. They also, interesting. There's a lot of artists who just can't go there because right. of legal things or because oh, yeah. it's so much <laughs> yeah. money or because, you know, it, in order to go out there, you need to you need to move accordingly. You have to, like, set yourself up with the IRS and you have to, you know, uh, get work visas and work permits. And it's it's a very difficult process. The, it, the way to move around and travel, things are expensive because it's too many people and too much moving parts to fly. Right. But there's also you have to fly, but then you have to do a lot of traveling over water. And like it, it's, it's very hard to route a tour overseas. So it's not easy. And then they also don't like, they don't have radio the way we have radio. Like they don't just have like FM stations. They only have online stations. You know what I'm saying? They don't, they don't track spins the way we track spins. Like they don't have the same TV shows. They don't have the same media outlets. So if you're going to tackle that area, you really have to be in the know and have feet on the ground. Streaming now has made it easier, which is why web has really grown over there. Um, but it's hard to be bigger somewhere else, bigger in terms of appreciation maybe, but they don't have the people. 
Like Germany has six, seven million people. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, even though Webb sells out six or seven shows in Germany, it's not a ton of people. So he, in appreciation, I think overseas in Australia, I think they appreciate it at the shows and shit. They're like, thank you for coming here. That's it. They don't get that shit. Like yeah, artists yeah. don't come there a lot. A lot of rap artists, bro, are, are think in terms of rap and think of how many dudes have court cases that don't allow them to go there. Right. Yeah. You know so, what I'm saying? Like anytime you see videos of artists performing in those countries, the fans crazy. are, are it fucking they're, nuts. They're crazy. So they're just so appreciative. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And and overseas, it, it's funny. They they just love our our culture. They don't per se love us. They love the culture <laughs> yeah. of it all. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like and it it shows. It show. It really does show. So yeah, back. I, I just think I don't think people overlook it. I think in the scheme of things, it was something that was never possible before, but now with the internet, it is. And I just think that people don't don't know how to tackle it. I mean, listen, we do shows overseas and we do well overseas, but I'm still trying to figure out how to get bigger because in terms of the world, right. Say, say there's, say there's 10 million people in the U S right. And that, that could be a fan of web right now. Web has a million of them. So he's still got 9 million more right, to get. Right. That's still a ton to grow. But overseas, if there's 10 million fans that can be web fans, he only got 100,000. So if I can double that, triple that, quadruple that, it, it expands the revenue stream, you know, tremendously. So with, with the like ever-changing, evolving landscape of the music industry, how do you prepare for that? Um, you gotta be out of curve, really. How though? I mean, you just gotta you, monitor trends, monitor trends, read instincts. articles. Yeah. yeah. Instincts. I mean, also to stay young, dude, I think a part, the reason I've been able to maintain for so long. And, and again, when I started, there wasn't even MP3s being sent through emails, you know, like right. when I first very, like when I first got my first like foot in the door in music, I was legit 19. This is like the, the transition of when I first started, it was just mixed tapes, like tapes. There wasn't even CDs. Wow. And then a year later there was CDs and then the CDs transitioned to ringtones and then the ringtones transitioned to downloads and the downloads transitioned to street. So it's, it's been this it's a rapid evolution. In yeah. 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 So I think and staying young. So I, I say that to say like our team, and even just in other teams I work with, the, the ones who are the most successful are the ones who continue to bring these new thinkers in and these younger kids that just move differently. Like I, I'm, I was working for this label cinematic who they're incredible. They have like Joey badass. They they've had like G Erbo. They, they had currency. They have, uh, you know, at one time they had Sean Kingston, they had Nipsey hustle. I mean, they've had everybody and now they have a ton of young talent, but they're crushing it because they keep, all these creatives and all these thinkers and all these young kids just funneling through the doors and it allows them to stay young and keep a finger on the pulse. You know, it's, it's, I, I called Webb the other day. Right. And I updated him on like these new things that YouTube are doing and these new things that Twitter are doing. And he was like, damn dude. He was like, you sound like one of the geek squad. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> because he didn't even realize it yet, you know? So it's like, you just got to stay up on it, man. And, and like anything else, I mean, if you're, if you're a cook, you're looking how to make new shit that yeah, you've yeah. never made before, you know? So you're looking for better spatulas and better equipment. So it's, yeah. it's, I think it's the same thing that goes with anything else. So right along those lines, do you think it's more important today to be a good lyricist, a, a great, better artist, or a, a good marketer and a creative, right? Because you just mentioned, you got all these young kids funneling these creative ideas. The, I, I, me personally, I like the older style of music, right? It's different. Yeah. Nowadays, it's just different. So what do you think is more important? Well, so for me, I think you said artists and lyricists. So for me, the artist, the better artist is the person who can do more things and does them well. Then there's the better lyricist or rapper. And, and I think that's where people get the misconception is like, who's the best rapper? All right, like rapper, rapper, that's one person or you know, five people, but like best artist, 
you know, that's Drake. That's a dude who can interview. He can make rap songs. He can make pop songs. He can sing. Yeah, right. Nothing, so yeah. like that, that's in, to me, that's the better artist, but the better rapper is a different scenario. So I think that, I think that now you can blow up being an incredible lyricist, but I think that a lot of the times you're overlooked being an incredible lyricist just because a lot of people don't have the bandwidth for that. Right. There's, yep. there's only a handful of like really incredible ly- lyricists that are currently at the top of the, of the game, you know, Cole Kendrick, you know, like logic, you know, a few other guys. Right. And I think, but those guys also started with this huge independent core fan base right. that grew with them. Right. Uh, the majority of artists that, that are successful that you see in the mainstream, like popped off a big record or a big look. Yep. And then the industry, the machine gets involved. And then this artist is just a fixture. Yeah. Whereas, you know, a Kendrick, a Cole, you know, even a tech, whoever, those type of guys build this cult that, that surrounds them. You know, like Logic's Rat Pack is a fucking cult of right. fans that just support him, which then gets other people to be like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. You know, and then he adds the machine while still keeping the cult. And he's got the best of both worlds. Right. You know, he's he's semi-independent with like a major platform and major backing, but he does a lot on his own because he's got a lot of fans and he tours. So, you know, he's got a really good scenario of kind of both. Uh, who's the biggest influence in, on Connecticut and hip hop right now, you would say? I, I mean, it's web. It's web. It is web, right? It's yeah. web. <laughs> it's web always just because for me, just because, bro, there's there's nobody else that does 80 shows a year and sells right. out 80% of them. There's nobody else who charts top five on Billboard when his album drops. There's nobody else that's making a real, like, lucrative as fuck living. Right. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Like, off the music. So that's why I say that. I say that, like, annoyed has the pulse of the state right now. Like annoyed has people excited and he's kind of the newer face. There's also a couple, the kids show Lee from Bridgeport is really starting to make a move. There's a couple of kids actually from Bridgeport. There's a couple of kids from New Haven. That's the cool shit about the younger generation. There's, there's like, there's a lot of young kids that are very tech savvy that are starting yeah. to make a move in Connecticut and they're not blinded by a lot of the bullshit some of the older artists are because the older artists went through an era where it was super fucking difficult. Right. And now I'm not saying it's not super difficult, but it's much, much easier to move around in this business. There's a kid I met the other day and this is crazy. I forget his name. He's from new Haven. He has a song that has 20 million streams. Oh, 20, oh 20 million. This kid's Jesus. got, this kid's got 400,000 monthly users and I never fucking heard of him. He's like 20 years old. And I, again, I just, I forgot his name. Like, but like, that's the space we live in now, right? Like there's kids from around the way that can make a move. So, you know, for me, it's web, but overall I would say like apathy, apathy probably apathy, was like yeah. a real trendsetter and like a real groundbreaker who kind of like after the skinny boys kind of like, you know, leveled out CT. He toured, he toured with Lincoln Park, dude. You yeah. know, like yeah. that dude went on a world tour with Lincoln Park. Like, let's put that in perspective. Who at the time like, was the biggest name. They were doing yeah. 60,000 person stadiums. Yeah. And Apathy has produced for like some of the greats and has features from some of the greats. And, and he signed a big major deal and then it turned out terrible for him. And it was a nightmare and then came out of it independent and built this thing from the ground up and is still still selling records and still touring like that dude's been touring for 20 years. When, uh, like 10 years ago or 12 years ago, I thought for sure Mook and fair was going to, was yeah, going to, for real. I, that I, was, was my, those are my guys. guys. Yeah. Those are, that was, so I managed them. Oh, you did you? We used to, we used to go back and forth on Twitter all the time about the that. Goals. was, yeah, yeah. That, so I managed them the whole, who's your daddy. Like I do be, what's crazy is, them kids, they popped in my music store. I had a music store I was telling you about. Their old manager was like a chef at a restaurant down the street. This is 2000. <laughs> bro, this is like 2007. I had just finished working with Paul Wall. I was like with him during the height of that whole gross thing. I was on the road and I was super busy. I come home from tour. 
they come in and they gave me this press kit. It was in a, it was in like a folder, you know, that the CD inside, like the way they used to, you know, and the dude, Sean used to buy CDs at my store. So he like comes to my store. He's like, yo, I got these kids and I manage them. The dude gives me, they come in. I don't listen to any music. We kind of just talk. They leave. I like skim through this thing and I fucking rip it in half and I throw it in the garbage. <laughs> I swear to God. Like two weeks later, K dub calls me and, and the big man from hot 93. They used to have that on air idiot show. Yeah. And they're like, yo, uh, you know, we're doing this show by in East Hartford on the river. Like, you should come check it out. It's like the local shit. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm with it. So I, I, I show up. I'm talking to Dub and Dub is like, we're at the top of the stairs looking down at, at the, it was at, it was at the uh, river walk over there in East Hartford. Yep. And uh, he's like, yo, these two kids coming out next are incredible. He's like, they got this record we're playing on the radio. You got to hear it. He's like, watch these kids. And it was fucking Mook and Fair. And I was like, yo, these <laughs> kids were at my store. And I, I was like, I didn't even pay no attention. And they were incredible. They did the song. They performed Fire um, and On the Low. Yeah. Um, and one other record. And I was like, yo, like, they're incredible. Mm. So I literally met with them the next day. I, I did a deal with them. I managed them from probably 2000, like, 2007 late 2007 to like 2000 and like 11 12 um good thing you went to the show yeah yeah so who's your daddy came out that record dude went gold that was yeah. like a huge yeah. huge record uh they went all over the country they were top four they were 38 on billboard um and then after they signed a big deal and then after that man it was just like uh you know they changed a little bit you know what i'm saying yeah, they started yeah. recording different they kind of got away from, you know, what you used to do, right? Like, because the, the patterns changed, people got a little more money, the schedules are busier, there's more things in play. <clears throat> um, they had that record then, with Webby. What's that record called? Do you, do you remember that record? I it was forget a feature. the name of it, but, but yeah, so that was, so at the time, Webb's old manager, Dana, he was my intern with Mook and Fair. So that's oh, how, wow. that's how that, so... Johnny Shipes, who owns Cinematic Music Group, uh, when I was telling you about, he had Dana as an intern. He met Dana. Dana was a college kid. They met. Uh, Dana was doing like college promotions. At the time, Johnny had currency. He let Dana do a currency show at Toad's Place, like 2009. Wow. Webb opened up for that show. Um, Johnny called. Now, when Mook and Fair did a deal, we signed a deal with Johnny Shipes, Cinematic, and then D and Shadow through the Orchard. And Johnny was like, yo, I got this kid from New Haven. Um, you wanted to be your intern for Mook Affairs Project? And it was Dana. He was managing Web. And at the time, he was like, Web, Web, Web. And I was like, I don't want a white rapper. Like, <laughs> I, had, I had done that shit. Like, early in my career, I managed, like, a white rapper from Plainville. And, like, Plainville. 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 <laughs> yo, like, I can't, the, I can't imagine shit. why that one didn't blow up. Well, the shit was, at that time, like, if you were M, you weren't a white rapper. Yeah, like, there right, was... Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, and then, and then Webb kind of hit the scene with like him and like Asher and yeah. like Sammy Adams yeah. <laughs> and that, that whole like white rapper shit started to kind of blossom, I guess, you know? So I feel, I feel like Webb got painted in that corner with those guys, but he was, wasn't like Dude, them. To, listen, wasn't to, this, like them. To, to this day, he still fights that we go to media yeah. outlets, and they still will look at him as like a frat rapper. And he was never yeah. a frat rapper. Yeah. He, no, he rapped about, freestyling in college but he wasn't a frat rapper yeah like his content was based around high school and college because that's where he was at but he right. was never a frat rapper like he and he fucking hated that term that's why Webb he didn't get along with none of those dudes because he that dude was a student of hip-hop and he loved hip-hop yeah, and even if tell. people didn't look at him like that he he loves this shit he respects his elders he respects the craft he respects where this shit comes from and he always looked at those dudes like, I don't fuck with them. He's since like he's patched relationships and everybody's adults now and people are homies and shit. But at that time, it was a very, dude, that was like the end of my space moving to YouTube and onto yeah. Facebook. He was yeah. one of the first people to like master my space in YouTube. You know, like Web was, Web helped put Mac on. Like super, oh, wow. cra super crazy scenario. Like Mac, Mac used to hit former management up and, and try to get on Webb's shows but in Pittsburgh wow. early on. And then Webb really liked Mac and Mac was bubbling and he puts him on, I need a dollar. That wow. record blows yeah. up. Yeah. And then after that, 
you know, Mac takes off, you know, he got with Wiz and got with Rodstrom and just took off. So, you know, but that whole wave was super cool, man. It was, it was kind of cool to watch. So I had watched Webb for a few years, you know, kind of just grow. And it, it just ended up that I got to work with him again later on. Nice. What do you, and so I live right now. I live in, I live in Buffalo, New York. I moved here yep. about seven years ago. So Griselda is huge. Everything. Here. Yeah. So my question is based more around community because West side gun just opened a children's store in the mall, which had, it, just, it just opened two weeks ago. It had a massive gather. You know, everybody came down to support. How important do you think staying relevant and staying entrenched in your community is? It's everything, man. I mean, that's that's the reason Webb chooses to stay in Connecticut and has never left. It's the reason he continues to donate and continues to give money and continues to be there to support, uh, you know, the community. I, them dudes are amazing with that. And what, but you see it, too, like, you know, Benny's at the Buffalo Bills half. Like, yeah. come on, dude, yeah. you know, for like a rapper of, of like of him to be at the halftime show and in you know, doing those type of things. I mean, you see that the community gives back to them the same way they give. So I think it's an important for an artist just to, it also keeps them very like grounded. Yeah. Right. Like web web got a bunch of homies, a handful of homies that are from his area that he grew up with that don't give a fuck about music shit. They're really just his homies. Like, and they keep him so grounded, staying around that area with, you know, the Italian restaurants and his parents are around the way. And, you know, the, where they look at him, like kind of the kid who made it, but they also will slap him in the back of the head. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's, it's important in that sense. Yeah. That's what me and Matt do to Ed when he talks about hitting a home run. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't do any of that. He no, only sends man. us the videos of him hitting homers. Yeah. yeah I, I, I definitely think, I think it's important. I think a lot of artists don't do it enough. I think a lot of artists, and, and then I think a lot of artists, uh, you know, do a whole bunch. So I, you know, I guess it really just depends, but they Griselda holds that type of aura though. You know, yeah. they're a very like, you know, they still, they're still around here all the time. You know, it's awesome. all everybody talks about around here is Griselda. Yeah, no, that's but, awesome. But the, and it, it, you get an identity, especially for a city like Buffalo, like that identity yeah. is important, you know? Absolutely. It's everything. Yeah. It's everything. Yep. Let's do some like personal questions for you. Who's your personal favorite artist of Currently or ever? Both. Oh. I mean, I, I I love like, you know, Biggie and Pac and Jay and I come from that era, right? Yeah, That's the same thing. Those are my favorites, you know, Jada, Fab. Um, you know, currently I have Cole Kendrick. I really like the kid, um, the kid black. Um, I like Corday. Corday is fire. Um there's a kid that I really just started messing with, Koda the friend. He's like incredible, incredible. Um, Annoyed personally is like one of my favorite rappers. I think he's incredible. There's a uh, kid, Marlon Craft, I really like. Um, so yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of dope, like new artists for sure, for sure. Nice. All right, let's roll into some uh, sports here. Who who's your team in each sport? Each of the uh, big three. I'm a Yankees fan. Uh, let's, oh, go. No, let's go. Let's go. I'm a Giants fan. Uh, um, not, I just let you down. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm a Jet fan, honestly, though, so I'm let down it's, always. It's funny. Basketball, I don't really have a team. When I was super young, you know, three, four years old, we lived, we lived in Portland. And my brother was 10 years older than me. So when I was a, when I was growing up, five, six, seven, eight, at that time, my brother was a huge Portland Trailblazers fan. And they had Cliff Robinson and they had like Clyde Drexler, who was, you know, so as a kid, I loved Portland. But then like, once my brother wasn't a fan of them anymore, I, I really, like, I really wasn't a fan of them anymore. So like, I kind of started like the Celtics and I kind of like started Knicks, but now I'm purely like a, whatever team my guys are playing on is who I like. At so that who, are, who are your guys? Yeah. LeBron. I love LeBron. I love <laughs> yeah. LeBron. Yeah. Same. I think LeBron is got incredible. To, got to. Um, Everybody from I, the soul generation loves LeBron like that. I think I, uh, I follow before, but Ray Allen, I was a huge fan of Ray Allen, you know? So like I followed his teams. I really like Jimmy Butler. Um, hey, I'm a Heat fan. So Ray Allen uh, yeah. is yeah. huge for me, and so is Jimmy. <laughs> yeah. So at, at that point, so you know, and and now I'm I'm also like a big Anthony Davis fan, you know. So you know, I guess I'm rooting for the Lakers at this point. What, what do you think the Giants need? 
everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, dude, I think they need what they've needed for, I think, forever, really. And I think the reason why Eli got pushed out so fast was they need an O line bad. Yeah. Like so bad. But the years that they were, they were good and strong, they had a very solid O line. And I, all veteran guys. Yeah. And I think that, you know, they've been known for such a long time to not really make any like big, off-season signings they like they almost never are involved in like a big off-season trade or like free agency they they pick up like key guys but you don't see them getting a top 10 receiver a yeah, top they don't 10 get the stars they never do and no. i wish that they would sometimes because they're the giants and you kind of got to throw your weight around a little bit and i i think that they're a great franchise for a ton of football players where is all their money tied up right now because they don't, really they don't spend any of it. <laughs> they don't spend a bunch on uh, Leonard Wills. They don't, yeah. yeah, they don't really, they don't have any money tied up. Now that everybody's pretty much gone and even the receivers haven't really been steady at, I don't, I can't even call like a, a player who's probably even in the top 50 in payroll. Think of anybody Maybe. either. Yeah. Were, were you an Odell guy? Did you want to see him go? No, I wanted to see him stay. I am an Odell guy. I am an Odell guy. So, um, I, you know, the dude was a pain in the ass, but you, not only was he a good player, but he was, he worked hard, bro. Like he, yeah. don't get me wrong. He was kind of like that new era of social media, like fuck shit. But like, yeah, he worked hard. He practiced hard. He played hard. So I think he fit. Is Daniel I, Jones the answer? He could be. I listen. There was, there was some flashes of, of, I won't say greatness. There were some flashes of a solid quarterback, right? Like I think you got the good defense already. So you just need to have a stable. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, that dude, it was really his first year and he's coming off the shit with Eli. And it's like, you know, I, I think, I think that he could be a solid quarterback. Do I think he's a top 10 quarterback ever? Like at any point in his career? No, but like he could be on the outside of that, you know, like he's got good feet. He's got good mechanics. He just needs to be smarter. And I think that just comes with age, you know, and, and having a decent quarterbacks coach and shit, but there, I, I'm optimistic about him and I'm not, I'm not set on him not being the guy yet. Having Saquon coming back too will take a little pressure off. Not a if ton you don't of have pressure. a line though. Not if you don't have a line. Yeah, you need a line. No, they do. They Nothing worse without the line. They need a line. And I, again, like even Eli, like I knew Eli was coming to an end, but like his last three years there, if they would have had like a decent line, he would have been that much better. Yeah. Like he was getting beat up. Yeah. Sure. So the real team in New York though, the Bronx. Bombers, the Yankees. Yeah. yeah. What's the, what's the expectation <laughs> from you for them? It's series or bust. I mean, you know, it, for me, it always really is unless it's like that, that those nah, last, it is, it is. before, you know, there, listen, there was those before the last couple of years, there was, there two, was like those two, two three years, seasons yeah. where like, I didn't really expect much, but since I was a kid, I can't really, I'd say after 94 or five, I've expected them to be in the series every year, except for a few, a handful. Are you, are you a Gary Sanchez guy? Or is it I time to pack can, the bags? Cause the guy bats 180. I mean, we can't have it. Dude, that dude can crush the ball. I know. I think that, but I think that they need to. All right. I like, I like him, but if he needs number one, and not even just the hitting part, he's a defensive liability. The fucking dude can't. You right. can't block anything. You can't throw him a curveball. Yeah, you can't throw him a curveball. No. So I think that they need to completely get rid of him as he needs a change a catcher. Scenery. But then yeah. we have a log jam at DH though, because Stanton ain't playing anywhere else. I know. I and wish we, oh, that we could get rid of his contract. Million. Yeah. I wish we could get rid of his contract. I mean, listen, <laughs> they're they're in a they're in a, a good spot, man. I think too. I think that next year they get like a big time outfielder. I think next year they really get a big time outfielder. Interesting. That's a, There's a to, to play with. I mean, you got Judge, unless you don't think we're going to lock up Judge. I don't think Judge is an outfielder for more than the next two or three years. So then we have even a bigger problem at DH. <laughs> you, got, you got about to have all DH. No, judge, but Judge goes. To, judge has got to go to first base. I th- I could see that. I, I mean, that. how can you know? I don't. I don't know how a dude that again. Yeah. Think if yeah, think if boy. think think if Judge is playing first base, he might not have had two of the last three injuries he's had. Mm-hmm. Right. I know. Right. Yeah. You're right. You know what I'm saying? Like, and if you're gonna give that dude money, he can't be fucking six nine running into the wall. balls in <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. It's his body's gonna fucking break down. So, yeah. 
I think that he ends up moving to first base. I, you know, they did give Hicks seven a years. good amount of money. Yeah, they and I and I I like him. I think he's great, but I I think they end up with another big outfielder and Judge moves to first base. Maybe Mr. Trout comes along, you know, you never know. <laughs> There's a couple of guys next year that are gonna be available. Um nice. so yeah, I see it might be time for Sanchez. You're right though, but wait, who's gonna start catching for us this year besides him? Kyle Higgishio. Oh, Hig- oh yeah, yeah. That's right. And then we signed I, uh, we signed another guy who already broke his wrist. Uh, yeah, I don't, but I don't know if he's good enough. I don't I don't know if he's good Robinson enough to be the catcher. Yeah, Torino's, Yeah, <laughs> that's the problem. Is if they're going to get rid of Sanchez, they need to get a catcher yeah. who can at least hit two fifty. Right. You know we need, we need yeah. like Austin Romine back. Yeah. What, what do you think about the rotation? You think we'll be all right? Oh, I don't know. We got a lot mm. of question marks in the rotation, but we still might have the best rotation in the AL East. It's possible. It's sad. Yeah, no, it's possible. I mean, listen, Very I, think, bad. They, I think they'll end up making a move or two at the deadline, you know, yeah. but there's a, obviously with, well, what's his name leaving um, and retiring or going back to Asia? Um, Tanaka, that was a bad Tanaka. move. We shouldn't have let that happen. No, and even though he was getting, I, the dude's still a 500, the dude could just still go 12 and 12 or 10 and 12 or 11 right. and 10, you know what I'm saying? So, um, and they just can't stay healthy. I mean, what, what do you do with Serino? Like he's not healthy. Like he can't stay he'll, healthy. He'll be back July. They said, but then what, then you got to rehab, you got uh, spring training games. You got the minor league stuff, but Tanaka only signed for 7 million in Japan. Are you telling it's, me we couldn't give him seven fucking million dollars? That's crazy. I, I, but I almost feel like it had to be, he just wanted to go home because why wouldn't nah. you give him that? Nope. He said no? it was new. It was Yankees or bust. And the Yankees didn't even offer him a contract. Why wouldn't you give him that? You got oh, yeah. players on that. You're giving I mean, I get that you're overpaying for other players, but he's come. Where else are you going to find a pitcher who can win you 10 to 12 games for 7 million? You, you Probably know, you know, you know, right around, around four. Yeah. You know what you're getting out of him. Yeah. And yeah. He, he, he handles, handles the Kluber pressure. In, who, who is, who's been downward spiral for two years. He has been, but I, I almost, I tell you what, I, I like Kluber. I like that move. Um, if he can stay healthy. I'm skeptical about I love it. it. If I think so. he, he pitched so many innings all those years, and I just think he's kind of wearing down right now. And it's a big, you know, big season for him. It is a big season. I mean, we need the, – the, per, the problem is, is who's the other pitcher to get 14 or 15 wins? Like, who's the other pitcher you to do You need Tyon to do it. Yeah, it has to be Tyon. Two Tommy yeah. John surgeries, though. You can't rely on that. No. That's, yeah, but you're yeah. going to have to. Yeah. Herman. Herman. Herman won yeah. 18 games two years ago. Yeah, he could do it, you so know. But so, yeah, there's a lot. They they just really got to stay. I mean, th- I think the biggest thing for the Yankees, period, is like, and I guess it's for any team, but it, they need their two or three guys to stay healthy. This no, year. that's 100% accurate because if Judge hits 50 homers and Stan hits 40 and Sanchez bats 250 and hits 35, it doesn't matter what it doesn't matter. does. Yeah. No, it really doesn't at that point. Yeah. And, then, and then the rest of their – Hicks is good. They're going to have seven guys that hit 20 plus home runs. Yeah, right. Exactly. You know, so it's like, I, I believe in them for sure. All right. Boston's going to be terrible. So that makes me feel better. And no matter what. Yeah. Me and Ed are the Mets fans here, so yeah, we've enjoyed Dude, the Mets that. can be optimistic, though. I mean, what the fuck? They I would love a subway series. I would love a subway series. I've been waiting for this for a while. This is, this is the I'm, year. I'm fucking just got pumped. To... I'm watching spring training games over here. I'm ready. <laughs> I mean, listen, the, the, the thing is, is that the Dodgers are fucking choke city, right? Uh, so, like, they got theirs know. last year, you know? I feel like they're kind of taking the foot off the gas this year. Not per se, because the Padres beefed up, but still. Yeah, well, that's it. You gotta you gotta look at the some of these younger teams that are making with the Padres and Atlanta and some of these other teams. But if the if the Mets can pull it together and play as a team, dude, they're gonna be tough to stop. Subway Series 2021. Hopefully. New York's gonna open up and the Mets and the Yankees are gonna play in the fucking World Series. It's gonna be fucking Imagine nuts. That. It's Imagine gonna be that. fucking nuts. Your Knicks and Nets uh, playoffs. Uh, yeah, right after the Nets, Nets win the title. The Nets in <laughs> seven over the league. I'll take yeah. a I'll take a Knicks Nets uh Damn, Nets in seven, huh? Nets in seven. Let's go. I've been waiting my whole life for this shit. Nets ain't getting past the heat. (laughs) Remember who was? I'll tell you what. Until we're taken down, I can talk all I want. Here's my (laughs) thing. If if the if if the Lakers get Drummond and Davis comes back, I think the Lakers beat the Nets. I I think think anyone's gonna grab a rebound again. Yeah, me too. Ever in the history of it, and they can't come to the post. So. 
But if they don't get Drummond and they don't, uh, they got to pick somebody. They got they need another shooter. Yeah, they need JJ because Redick. dude, you're gonna have to really, really score some points outside of A. Davis and LeBron. Like you're gonna need, and like Rondo was so fucking big for them last year. Yeah, but I think huge. what's his name? Um, if he can stay healthy, the dude from the Schroeder? Hawks. Um, Schroeder. yeah, yeah, a Schroeder. I think that he becomes huge in the playoffs. You know, like. But dude, Contrast the Nets look, huge for him the, too. The Nets look so crazy, and they haven't oh, so got good. it together yet. Oh, we're so and, good, and, and they might get what? Drummond. Yeah, we might get Drummond. I yo, I was looking at that going. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> and, and with Blake, like yo, yeah. like, and, and I think Blake, dude, Blake could do. He could have fifteen and ten all day, every day for them. Like yo, Blake, this is this shit is crazy. This really, I couldn't believe this. Blake is our cheapest player on the whole <laughs> roster. Or imagine that insane. And remember when everyone was talking about the you know him 150 million, 200 million dollars just four years ago? Like it's crazy. Detroit's paying all that shit now. <laughs> Bro, Detroit is Detroit is a doomstown. When I I mean I'm uh Drummond is the homie, right? Him and yeah. Webb are super cool. Yeah, yeah. And and I was Drummond, we were in LA with Drummond playing paintball, and he was telling me this was prior to him signing the big deal, like this the extension with Detroit. Yeah. Um and he was telling me all the places that he thought he was going to end up going. And then he like, they announce ESPN announces he's staying at trip. I'm just like, for what? Like, you know, the players can't even buy houses there. Dude. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like they're not even allowed to go out like to bars and clubs after games and shit. Oh, really? Why? No, dude. It, because it's fucking dangerous out yes. there. Oh, wow. <laughs> and dude, they deal. They, it's crazy. He was telling me that like 90% of the players do not own a piece of property in the city. They, they live in like wow. even dudes with money. They're not buying Drummond never bought anything there. He was there for five, five, six years, wow. never bought a, even a condo. Wow. That's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. So like, I always wonder like why, you know, like, but you know, hopefully I, I think he's going to get, a good look. I think he's going to end up maybe being able to win a ring because whatever team he goes to, I mean, even too, if Boston gets him, they're a problem. I Do mean, you, they may not get by the nets, but they're still a problem. So, so, you know, you have a relationship with him. Do you think he cares about LA versus, I mean, Brooklyn's obviously close to home, went to UConn from Connecticut. Do you think that Dude, would play he, a part in his decision-making? Uh, I mean, he's got a crib in LA, so that's possible oh, for one, okay. but you know, I think that he's had the opportunity Listen, before that last extension, before Boston signed Horford and them, they were trying to get Drummond and the Knicks were trying to get Drummond. And he had the opportunity then. And I even think with the trade to, to Cleveland at that point, he had the opportunity to come to the East Coast somewhere. So I don't know if that plays a role. I mean, I would I would assume it does because it's you're at home. Yeah, you I didn't know, know he but, had a house there. So that changes everything. And LeBron. Yeah, for there. sure. And LeBron. Uh, yeah, 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 LeBron is there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's, you know, but he's, he's got a, like a brand Jordan deal and shit. So any big market's going to be good for him. But I mean, for, I think it plays into any, any guy, like you're in, you're at the, the back eight or so years of your career. Like you, this next move for you, especially if you win a chip can turn into a shit ton of money. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I think it's important, but I, I really don't know. I mean, Drummond again, if that dude was motivated by just like winning or just whatever he could have left a long, a long time, ago. time ago and went to a contender. So I, I think he likes comfortability and he likes to, you know, like the team and like the organization. And I think that plays a part for him. Detroit and Cleveland. I can't think of two worst places. <laughs> Next is Sacramento. Yeah. <laughs> At, At least the, the weather's Sac nice over there. Right. The weather's nice. And you from Sacramento, like you can be in San Fran in a, you yeah, know, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, you know, you yeah. can get to Reno in a little bit. I mean, you can even get down to, to LA in four or five hours. So it's not terrible. Talking about Drummond, how you feel about uh Yukon? I'm so pissed, bro. I'm so mad that they lost to Creighton. I'm so oh, mad. Me too. Dude, they I, I would chances too at the end. Oh my god, they yeah. had every chance in the book. And I, you know, again, I had high hopes for this year just because it's been such a long time since they've been like back. I'm and happy I, where they are, but for sure. But is he gonna stay though? Is is uh, I think he's kind of how many yeah, how many bigger, how many much bigger programs is there? You got a big program. It is, but it's been shit for like 
since they won the national year. title. Since yeah. won the win since Cal Finally, finally back in the Big Cal. East. Finally well, back in the Big East. I think that huge difference. It makes a huge difference because now people actually want to go there before they're yeah, playing like, like a shit conference. Yeah, and I yeah. think I think I had high hopes for Ali to really make a move, but he ended mm-hmm. up getting, you know, I thought yeah. he was going to carry that torch for years and years. Um, yep. You know, but I'm, I'm happy where they're at. I think him going there and having some good players is going to work for recruitment. I think the Big East primetime games is back, so that works for recruitment. Once you get moved from, like, to, like, a stupid-ass conference like that that's got terrible yeah. TV deals, no primetime matchups, yep. you know, like... yeah. And having Hurley, you're going to get all these kids from Jersey and New York because he's got all those connections. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's going to get all those kids. I think if they yeah. get ousted first round by Maryland, I think he, there's a good chance he comes back. Okay. Yeah, probably. But probably. If they make a run, like Final Four run, he's going to boost himself so high. Well, But the thing is, too, is if that kid comes back, well, if you make a Final Four run, he is going to be very he's high. Yeah, he's he's out. out. Yeah, yeah, he's out. You know, I think that if he stayed healthy and he has a great year next year, he could be a number one or two pick. But yeah. the problem is, is if he doesn't stay healthy, right? Eh, yeah, you know, he reminds me of Jamal Murray a little bit. Like that's his, that I can, that I can see that being his role. That's yeah. Actually a good comparison. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I I'm excited for them though, man. I've, I've been around to kind of get to know a lot of these guys coming out of UConn, like being in the party scene and stuff like Kemba and all them guys used to like come to the clubs at Hartford. We were running parties mm-hmm. and stuff. So, um, it's it's kind of cool to uh to see UConn back at it again. Uh what's your favorite pizza in Connecticut? Uh uh probably modern. Modern. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, probably probably modern. <laughs> um, you know, there's some good Latelli's in Norwalk is incredible. Um they're really, really good. Uh, you know, obviously Pepe's is cool. There's there's a quite a few staples. I usually that are get in. modern sent to me every Christmas from my brothers. <laughs> really? So yeah, modern, I'm out here in Vegas now, so they send it over here. Oh man. So for, for toes place every year for black Friday, uh, we web, one of Webb's best friend picks up like a dozen pies, bro. And just brings me to toes place. And we get smashed and <laughs> <Yeah. eat> modern. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and shout out, shout out to modern. They, I think they were on like a couple of the top five lists this year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah were. so, so that's. I mean, I'll, I debate with you. I'm, I was literally just arguing back and forth. This dude Hovain, who he's a big in the music business, he manages a ton of artists, and we like kind of back and forth on Instagram about who's got the best pizza. He'd be sending me articles that are say that New York has them, and then, I'm, I'm so, out here all the time advocating. I talk shit. To oh, you have every, to. I, I, mean, I bartend on the strip. I talk. I talk shit to Bro, all no the guests. No one in Vegas better ever talk about pizza because their <laughs> pizza's fucking terrible. Bro, it's I, the worst. It's the fucking worst. Mind man. you, I I lived in my dad lived in Vegas, uh, you know, until I, he passed away when I was 18, but I used to go live in Vegas for the summer every year. So I lived there from like the summer from oh, 10 you, to like you understand then, Yep. I love Vegas. It's like one of my favorite places. I've been here for like five, five years now. Yeah. So my, you got to check out, I should get you guys to interview. You ever heard of kid echo? I have not to echo is, is the, he is the Chris Webby of Las Vegas. Oh wow! He actually uh-huh. came out and toured with us all the last year. He's super dope. Has a really dope merch line. The kid can really, really rap. Um, and yeah, he's really dope. And he's out in Vegas. And then too, like Dizzy Wright is the homie. Like they got yeah. a store still moving um, in Vegas. Those are those are the guys. So you know, I'm actually coming to Vegas too in September. Oh, where did me up? So yeah, I we're, <laughs> we're at Hard Rock. Uh, we did Hard Rock obviously pre pandemic. Um, with Webb, that was his last concert uh, in Vegas. So we'll be back, hopefully, depending on if touring opens up, but maybe September, October, if not. Yeah, we just went probably. to 50%, so we're opening up pretty quickly now. Since yeah, it's starting to happen. Yep. Yeah, it's starting to happen. So, I mean, we're, we we have a bunch of tours. We've had tours planned this entire time, and we just keep canceling them and then rescheduling and canceling and rescheduling. So we, got a, we have a tour you know, slated for like September, October. And if that don't happen, we'll be back at it, you know, March, April of next year. So I'm, I'm dying to go to a concert again. <laughs> oh my God. I, I mean, listen, there's, there's some stuff. I think no matter what in the fall, we're going to do some shows like Massachusetts now is doing 500 cap shows. Um, Florida obviously is open and Georgia is open. Um, I think, you know, we have a show planned for Maine uh, in August and maybe like, uh, New Hampshire, 
in August as well. So we're going to try and do some dates, man. We're going to try and do Toad's Place. I mean, whatever we could do, we're really just waiting for things to open back up. So right. it sucks because it's been such a long time. I'm ready to get out on the road. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll end it off with one more question. I'm going to actually give this to all three of you. Tie game, runner on second. You're coming up the plate. What's your walk-up song? Oh man, you got, I, I need a minute to think about this. Uh, <laughs> I give I give you mine. I give. I've you had mine. like a few hours yeah, to think about it. Yeah, what you're you mine is "Feel So Good" from Harlem World by Mace. <laughs> oh man, that's a great record to come like out to. It. I don't walk okay. out of the dugout until the beat drops. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. Let the horns play. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were gonna go something Jay Z. Nah. I actually heard this record today and I was jamming in the car. So I was like, oh, yeah, that's it right there. <laughs> I'm going to go, I'm going to go X, X, go and give it to you. I'm gonna oh, that's, a great one. That that's one. a great one. That's a great one. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta do, I gotta do a little bit of DMX. If I, if I was coming out and there's 50,000 people in a crowd and that song comes on, people are going to go oh, nuts. Yeah. That's <laughs> Especially if we're in the Bronx. Uh, I had one weird one, which would have been, um, come and get your love. Because when that beat drops at the beginning, you start coming out and everybody come and get off. They'd be like, what the fuck is this? Uh, come strolling out already, you know? It'd be what so getting choice. their heads. Getting their heads. But other than that, I'd probably go uh, bring them out. That's, uh, that song would make okay. me feel like you were going to leave the runners on base. That would, that would make me feel like that. I would be so excited for my pitcher at that very moment time. <laughs> oh, shit. Good shit. All right, Chris. Thank you so much. My man, I appreciate it. If you like what you just heard, subscribe to the Three and Out podcast on all podcast streaming platforms and make sure to follow along on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube. You can also find us on Twitter at Three and Out underscore. 